What would it take to make you question your reality? Probably quite a bit, because of the multitude of experience you already have. What could I do to make you question it? I would be only one facet within your reality, and there would be so much else that was consistent for you to ground yourself on, so it would be tough. But it wouldn't take too much for you to question my understanding of reality as you define it. If I attempted to shake your foundations and somehow succeeded, then you would start to question the nature of your reality, your understanding of it, your understanding of everything you'd experienced up to that point, your understanding of understanding, and especially your understanding of yourself. Maybe with words, maybe with images, but either way the brain would reel from a sense of existential displacement. If I fail to unground you, which is the overwhelmingly likely outcome, then you would see me as an anomaly within your framework. I'd be rationalized away into a category of oddness, or even of lunacy or madness. If I stared into your eyes as I grabbed a knife and cut a gash into my hand while whispering something like, our ideas of ourselves are rooted in the fears that we've been convinced to sell our brief lives to be able to afford, then the cut would be on my hand, but the real scar would remain in your mind's understanding of what it defines as me. Your concept of who I am would likely be irrevocably damaged, especially if I was smiling as I did it. Normally, we call up who a person is when something we experience reminds us of them, meaning our minds match some bits of sensory data they receive with some of the data that they have stored in their folders of a person. Either their face, or parts of their body, or their voice, maybe a mannerism or fragrance, anything really can be cause for the mind to thrust the idea of another person into our awareness. But the better we know a person, the more time we've spent with them, the larger that folder becomes. Eventually, who people are to us is defined by what we know of the choices they make and the ideas they hold. Aside from their physical forms, they are a set of ideas that we think we can predict. If a person becomes unpredictable to us, then we might think something along the lines of, they have changed. If they acted the same but changed their appearance, we might think, they look different. But if they acted and looked different, we'd probably think, it's like they're a completely different person. And really, to our minds, they would be. Because we'd have an idea of them from before, what they used to be like, and our idea of them in the now, what they are like. And we could consider both of those versions of them separately and compare them to one another making them different persons in our minds. It's easy to make you question my sanity. The fact that I might want to do something so out of the ordinary, like cut a gash in my hand to prove a point, might certainly do that. Unless you were to justify my dramatic display as a work of high art, or consider it a viable social experiment, in which case you might consider me sane, but odd. Then again, if I did something so extreme and you thought I was normal, I might end up questioning your sanity. So. For the sake of this conversation, we need to define sanity, so I'll give you my definition. Sanity is the acceptance of a contained set of cultural norms, whereas oddity is the chosen adherence or disregard for them, and the incapacity to recognize and act within those norms is what one might call insanity. But everything is on a gradient, and gradients have a funny tendency to be circular. What makes the notion of sanity so interesting is how little we understand about the brain. Who we are is only who we have been lately. We are our habits and our most recent behavioral patterns. All we are is a series of loops. Our brains function in cycles, our ideas of ourselves orbiting around our ideas of ourselves. At the center of the orbit, we want there to be an identity, a self 
that when poked at, pokes back. But when we spend enough time trying to find the center, realize all we're doing is changing the orbit. And then in the middle of it all is nothing. That when we poke, we are just the act of poking. We are our ideas of ourselves, which are formed by our interactions with the worlds around us. What we are really is our ideas of other people's ideas of us. You help define what I define as me, and I help define what you define as you. We are our own loops, and the nature of our loops change based on the people we are around. Just like the movement of the Earth in the universe is more a spiral than static circular orbit, so do we pass through the vacuous space of thought, ever-changing, through a darkness only given a loose form by the sensory data our bodies take in, thoughts justifying their own existences because the body is capable of perceiving some fraction of the reality outside of it, spiraling on a trajectory defined by and therefore also attempting to define the changes of everything else. We are embodied reactionary flux. So who are we? If there's nothing at the center of the orbit of self, if consciousness is a spiral propelled by qualia, by the gravity of simply experiencing, then awareness is an illusion. And our opinions, all of our judgments, are just the delusions of automata that grasp at ideas to synthesize an idea of self. Experientially, we define ourselves by what we love and what we hate. And really, what we are inclined to love and hate are what define us, like the banks of a river or the smoke that passes through a narrow beam of light. Sanity is a funny little concept, because it has no border, only a loosely defined center which is the absolute opinionless conformity to the overlap in the Venn diagram of whatever questions a majority of the population of a generation is afraid to face. The demarcation line of sanity is the culmination of humanity's existential dread. To be sane is the ability to recognize the existential fears of the general public and adopt them in a way that is at the same time both passive and mildly enthusiastic. Strangeness is the ability to choose which fears to adopt, or pretend to adopt, if any. And insanity is the inability to distinguish those fears, and therefore lack the capacity to even pretend. We hold on to our fears tightly, because beneath them is the idea of meaninglessness. Because without fears, we have nothing to hate, and love becomes not a necessity, but a fact. And without our opinions of what to love and what to hate, we have no identity. We're left poking at an idea that doesn't poke back. We pretend that our identities are static because it helps us avoid the idea that a human being has no truly firm grounding in their temporary blip of an existence. Small changes in habit or any experience, no matter how small, can cause chemical fluctuations in our minds that throw us into swings of mood or regenerative thought loops that wear our minds down or even change how we perceive our realities. Blunt trauma, tumors, diseases, surgeries, medications, drugs, alcohol, pain, hunger, what we eat, a lack of sleep, interactions with other human beings, everything changes who we are and who we have the capacity to be. The only relatively static things are our faces, our genders, and our skin colors. And so we latch onto them and use them to judge because aside from those things, we are nothing. We have nothing to lean our identities on because we exist only in the capacity that we can say we exist. I think 
Therefore, I am is the capacity to define ourselves by what we love and what we hate to fuel our orbits around the nothingness of the lack of self. What makes us question someone's sanity is when they seem to not fear what we fear. And what we fear is any affront to our ideas of ourselves. Everything flows on the path of least resistance, which is largely unplanned, especially societal frameworks and leadership. Collective society supports the notion that a person doesn't need to dig into the fears that make them question their ideas of themselves, of their similarity, of their ephemerality. Maybe that's because it's easier. Maybe it's because it's easier to conform, easier to sell people stuff. Maybe because it makes it easier to sell people ideas. Maybe ideas are the only things that are ever sold. And maybe the thing we do when we are afraid is to look to someone else to buy our ideas from. Like the idea of what makes us normal and what makes other people insane.